Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You know what my favorite thing to say at the moment when it comes to professional wrestling is you can go up to people and go, in one week's time, I'm going to be watching Blood and Guts. And if they understand pro wrestling, like, oh man, I'm super pumped, I'm so excited. And if they're not there, look at you like, you, my friend, are scum. And then they spit in your face. And you just have to take it. Well, I say that, but I have no idea. I made it up. Nobody recently has gobbed into my eyes because I was talking about blood and guts. But hello, welcome. My name is Simon Miller. This is What Culture Wrestling. And given that we just did have the, I suppose, go-home show for blood and guts, or bag, I think we should take this, the fop, the finger of power, and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for the latest edition of AEW Dynamite. Well, flood me sideways, did we just get a reminder in why not doing screwy finishes are so important? Because when you do get a surprise upset, you actually sit there and go, well, I can't believe what I've just seen. What am I talking about? Well, it was the opening match on AEW Dynamite, which was Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage, or as I am dubbing it, the Battle of the Ages. That's the best thing I will ever say. It all tied together as well in the sense that before the bell had even rang, Team Taz attacked the cowboy, as well as Brian Cage giving him a powerbomb onto the entranceway. And in most promotions, you just do that kind of thing because it's something to do, whereas here it tied directly into the finish. Because of all this as well, Brian was able to absolutely wreck Adam in the early going. And I always enjoy calling them Brian and Adam because it just sounds like a big fight has broken out in accounts. And he took his head and he smashed it into the barricade and he dropped him on the apron. I think Cage then started to bicep curl Hangman Adam Page and that made me so happy in my tum-tum, I definitely have problems. And then he went for a standing moonsault, Hangman got his feet up and of course we have to go, no Brian Cage, you're really big, you shouldn't be doing aerial maneuvers. Even though he should because it's so damn impressive. Even then though, seconds later, Brian Cage was superplexing Hangman from the top rope and at that point I started to go, well of course, Brian Cage is on top the whole time because the cowboy is definitely going to win but I couldn't have been more wrong. He was still able to low bridge Cage out of the ring and chuck him into the ring post, but when he went for the buckshot Larry it missed, I mean, my word, Brian Cage went absolutely ballistic. Like, he gave him a slam, he gave him a power bomb, he gave him a buckle bomb, and then he hit the drill claw, and the referee actually went one, two, three, and I couldn't believe it. Because he just beat Hangman Adam Page, who, yes, do not forget, 
was, and no longer is, the number one contender for the AEW World title. So we were this close to having Adam Page versus Kenny Omega, and now we've lost it again, so don't come around my house going, oh, the rankings don't matter. The rankings damn well matter. Commentary sold this as a massive deal, and maybe even Brian Cage's biggest win ever, and it's all because Team Taz murked Adam Page beforehand, so if you want to feel really sorry for him, you should. And what happens when you have a good baby face? You feel sympathy towards them. So all of this, as far as I'm concerned, was just terrific. And now I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, do we get Kenny Omega versus Brian Cage? I actually have another theory, but I will tell you it later. Either way up. Then we cut to the elite. And these guys are just great. They were celebrating in the limo because, of course, Kenny Omega is now the brand new Impact World Champion. And they made it very clear that they're not going to be intimidated by anybody. And they're not scared. And then a car horn went off and they all jumped out of their skin. So this was tremendous and it was doubly tremendous because actually it was just Michael Nakazawa who had pushed the wrong button. It didn't go very well for him though because we found out that later on it is going to be Nakazawa versus Eddie Kingston. And I love all of these guys. They are such goofs, but they play it so well. Before all of that though, we were going to get the Young Bucks taken on the Seidel brothers with the stipulation that if Matt and Mike won, they would be allowed to have a tag team title shot. And I will say, if there's one wrestling trope that we could just drop from all companies, it is the idea of a non-title match. You never see a non-title anything in any other sport. You either get the opportunity or you don't get the opportunity. It's not really a big deal. You can just massively ignore it. And this was super duper fun. Up. It really made me laugh too, because the first thing we saw pretty much was a moonsault by Mike Seidel. And it annoyed Matt Jackson so much, he just scurried over to the corner and he tagged in Nick. He was not having any of this crap. For some reason, Mike tagged out too, so it was now Nick Jackson taking on Matt Seidel. And you already know what happened here. It was just effortless pro wrestling. And at one point, both Seidels were in there and they gave a double drop kick. But they weren't keeping their eyes on the prize because Matt Jackson made a sneaky tag. And this allowed the Young Bucks to take control. Matt Jackson also pretended he was injured at one point before just kipping up just to let you know he is a mega asshole now. And of course, because it is pro wrestling, we built to a hot tag, this time courtesy of Matt Seidel. He just ran wild and finished it off with a brain buster for a near two. And I just went, you know what? These two or these four are really good. There was then just a ton of reversals, including one out of an indie taker into a corkscrew moonsault. And then the Seidels followed that up with the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment the surprise roll-up, and that got such a close three count, I won't lie, it got me. Matt Seidel was then killed as he went for a Hurricane Rana, but instead got slammed into the mat, and this allowed Matt Jackson to give, no word of a lie, one of the best low blows I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was like he was in Street Fighter, and he held the pose at the end of it and just stared in the camera like a crazy person. Because Mike Seidel was then worried about his balls, he didn't see the BTE trigger coming, and that was the end of it. They ain't getting no tag team match. The Young Bucks win. Brandon Cutler was then out to spray down Matt and Nick Jackson with some kind of cold spray, and that really did make me chuckle. And then things did get a little bit weird. Because despite it not being referenced on Dynamite for weeks, maybe even months, SCU stormed out here, reminded everyone, hey, don't forget this pact we made with each other. If Kazarian or Daniels lose at any time, at any point in the future, that will be that, and they will break up. Going back to the rankings, though, given that they are the number one contenders, why don't we set this up now? SCU versus Young Bucks, essentially winner takes all. Now, this is great, and the match will be great, and these two tag teams are great, but how much greater would it have been if over the last few weeks we had had SCU in a bunch of matches 
and they kept coming oh so close to losing before surprising us with a big victory. And I know they've been doing that on other AEW shows, but a lot of people, they just watching Dynamite. So this is basically just me throwing my toys out of the pram because this could have built to a fever pitch. And there's every chance that it still will, but I just found it very odd that the story vanished and then came creeping back and nobody told me why. Jade Cargill was there back to remind us that she doesn't need a manager because she's a bitch. And given that seconds before this, SCU had also called the Young Bucks bitches, so many feuds in wrestling right now are getting to the super duper serious stage. Because as we've said before, and as we will say again, if you call somebody a bitch in wrestling, it means you're reaching the next level. Also, Jade Cargill, she is going to smash it. Clearly a star. Orange Cassidy was then taking on Penta. This is just the kind of world I want to live in. Up. Alex Abrahantes was once again translating a promo for Penta, who said he's going to beat Orange Cassidy into a pulp because, of course, he's a piece of fruit. What I do like to think is that Alex just makes up what Penta says. So Penta actually went, man, we're going to have a hard rock contest and I really respect you. And then Alex gets the mic and says, yeah, he's going to kill you and steal your children. I don't think that's the case. The best part of all of this is that both guys doubled down on their gimmicks to begin with. So Orange Cassidy had his hands in his pockets while Penta kept going, Cero, Miedo. And this was like two people playing a wrestling video game and just talking like crazy because they want to build their meter up. Somebody all of a sudden then hit the go button though because we had a beach break attempt and a package power driver attempt before Penta took over with a backbreaker. But when Orange Cassidy was back on his feet, he did his thumbs. <laughs> so Penta bit his thumb. This was great. Penta was on fire here too as he caught Orange out of midair and gave him a slam. And this was basically his MO for the entire thing. I'm just going to reverse every single thing you do. I mean, he did it with this. He counted a DDT into a brain buster. He somehow turned the orange punch into like a pump handle driver slam thingamajig. I mean, essentially in AEW, you can just find any two guys or girls and send them out there and they will have a pretty damn good match. It was a good near fall after a successful beach break and a spinning DDT, but much like last week, this is where Abrahantes got on a microphone and just started cutting a promo in the middle of the match. I did quite like this though, because when you do something multiple times, all of a sudden it becomes a thing, as opposed to just a random happening. So now this will tie into the long term and I will look out for it every single week. Cassidy was having none of that though, so dragged him from the ring. And of course the idea here was to allow Penta to sneak up to behind and win, but that didn't work. Instead, Orange Cassidy hit Penta with a mic-assisted orange punch and he got the one, two, three and proved don't be a dick, it will come back to bite you in the ass. This was good though. It was just really, really good. Britt Baker and Rebel were then here too. They were being interviewed by Tony Schiavone and you know the deal already. Britt Baker is the number one contender. Britt Baker is the face of the women's division. And Britt Baker should be the brand new women's champion. And I think that's absolutely something we should do. We should give her a long title reign. She should cheat all the time in order to hold on to it. It will work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. The inner circle and the pinnacle were then having their parlay. And I do think it's fair to say when it comes to the build for blood and guts, none of these guys have had very long to do much of anything, which means when they do have the ball, they need to smash it out the park. And flub me, did they do that here? We started out by making it very clear that this is War Games, and there's nothing wrong with that because War Games is brilliant, but it does mean we need to flip a coin to figure out who's going to have the man advantage. Before we could do that, though, Sean Spears interrupted. He grabbed a microphone and said the pinnacle deserves this, and also, when he finds himself in that cage with Sammy Guevara, he's going to step on his neck and watch him drown. That, my friends, is just threatening somebody with death. Guevara then fired back by saying he doesn't believe Sean Spears, because not only is Sean a failure in AEW, but he was also a failure in that other place that he worked. And he was so ready for this, he said, I don't even care. We don't even need to do the coin toss. I will put myself in the match to start. And I was like, Sammy, what a stupid thing to do, but you have so much fire, I'm 100% behind you. The idea with all of this as well was to underline who was having sort of individuals and separate feuds, which is why FTR then started to talk to Santana and Ortiz, and they went, listen, not only are we ready to die, but you better go and tell your kids that daddy may not be coming home. So talk about leveling the bar up by around about 82,973. The final part of this was, of course, MJF and Chris Jericho going at it. And good grief, were they great. I mean, Maxwell started off by saying, look, Chris, I understand you built this great group and you basically carried AEW on your shoulders when we did kick things off. But I imagine that weight must be getting pretty heavy by now. So why don't I whip your ass and I'll take over the responsibility. This just sent Le Champion off, however. And what you need to do is you need to go and watch this for yourself and maybe make some notes if you are an upcoming professional wrestler about how to sell a match by being really, really mad. I mean, I think the first thing Jericho did was call Maxwell a self-gratifying and a self-righteous little prick and also reminded him that the reason he's been able to climb to the top of the chain is because when he was a mid-25-year-old jerking the curtain at WCW, he had respect, something MJF doesn't have, which is why MJF will fail. Carried on to say that if he wants to take his spot, he's going to have to beat him next week, but that's not going to happen because the inner circle are blood and guts because, you know, they've been together since day one. And look, 
Sometimes it's all about the delivery, because that sounds absolutely ludicrous and like a really silly thing to say. But when it came out of Chris Jericho's mouth, I was like, they are blood and guts, and I'm blood and guts too. I mean, Jericho sounded like he was ready to kill a man, which would have tied into this, because again, death threats were just firing all over the place. And he even finished it with a Brian Adams reference. If this doesn't just sum up how execution is so important, I don't know what does. So if segments like this are designed to sell me on a fight and get me really hyped up, well, they achieve that and then some. I also think that this is going to be crazy violent. Sign me up. It was then meant to be Michael Nakazawa versus Eddie Kingston, but we didn't get it at all. And in fact, we actually got an angle. And Dynamite doesn't usually do stuff like this. So I found it very enjoyable, especially because the first thing Eddie Kingston did was come out. He got a microphone. He looked at Michael Nakazawa and was like, look, bro, just get out of the ring. I ain't doing this sports entertainment crap. This brought out Kenny Omega, though, to yell at Eddie Kingston because he is tired of his ship, which is when Michael Nakazawa attacked Eddie Kingston with a laptop. I mean, he had it, so why the hell not? And I hope they see the irony here. This was very sports entertainment. Kingston fought out of this though and started to treat Nakazawa like a Bond henchman. I mean, he absolutely ruined him before he took a chair and he put it over Michael Nakazawa's leg and looked at Kenny Omega and said, look, you give me what I want or I'm gonna break your friend's ankle. And of course, Kenny is just the worst person in the world. He was like, look, he knew what he signed up for. You do whatever the hell you have to do. He also told Brandon Cutler to get his ass out here and sort it. And while Brandon Cutler did arrive, he was thrown onto the entrance ramp because he'd been jumped by John Moxley. Mox then choked out our quadruple champion. They basically got a chair and they were going to destroy his head, they were going to destroy his legs, and they were going to destroy his arms before they turned to Don Callis and said, but hey, we won't do it if you just give us what we want. And what they did want was a tag team match against Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. And again, Don Callis was so terrified that they may kill his son, he agreed. I think we're getting that next week. But yeah, this was the last thing I was expecting, and I do admit that it would have been nice if AEW had focused a little bit on the fact that Kenny Omega is now the Impact World Champion. It was kind of just hovering there in the background. But I thought it was really refreshing. I thought it was really fun. Like I say, AEW doesn't really do things like this, and it served its purpose well. It's getting it up. And then we had consequences. Man, I love consequences. Because yeah, Taz was being interviewed and made it very clear that given that Brian Cage beat Hangman Adam Page, he is now our brand new number one contender. While this is all well and good though, Taz really did want to focus on Christian Cage given the last couple of weeks because he had said Christian's name, Christian did appear. He ripped into Mr. Orange once again by saying that he used to be one of the baddest dudes on the planet, but now he just hangs around his goons. And because he is so fond of these goons, Christian has no problem going through them and taking them out one by one. So that's fine, that's perfect, that's simple, let's do it. And going back to what I said earlier, if you wanna have Christian Cage beat his namesake, Brian Cage, in order to him to have a world title match against Kenny Omega, well, I'm not gonna argue with that, but I do know everyone is now getting really mad in the comments. Penelope Ford was then back on Dynamite. I do think this is important because a few weeks ago, she had posted a picture on social media where she'd suffered some kind of allergic reaction and that did not look fun at all. But also, she was facing Chris Statlander here, who has also just made a big comeback. It just ticked the boxes. It was just a solid match too, and the best part is when Chris Statlander pretended she was going to dive onto Penelope Ford, who was on the outside, but instead she slid under the bottom rope and she just booked her right on the nose. 
Some people get so mad about this, oh, that's not very realistic. Oh yeah, is it realistic for me to stand above my opponent, rip off my elbow pad, chuck it into the crowd, and then hit both ropes before giving them an elbow drop? Let me think about it. No, it is not. Of course he wasn't able to capitalize on this either because Kip Sabian was at ringside and he caused a mini distraction which meant Chris Statlander got kneed right in the face. They then started smashing each other in the jaw because wrestling, when Statlander hit a really good blue thunderbomb for a really close near two, and then Penelope Ford hit a blockbuster for another close near two, so Chris Statlander hit the solar eclipse for another close near two, and yes, that's right, it was wrestling tennis. Ford then went to hit her handspring elbow in the corner, but Chris Statlander was able to get out of the way, and even though Kip Sabian once again tried to cause somewhat of a distraction, Orange Cassidy, who had come out of the alien, calmed this down, Statlander and I was able to hit the Big Bang Theory and get a pretty damn good win. And I won't lie, I was sad for about 15 minutes after this because I was going, wait a minute, Kip Sabium is back on Dynamite, but where the hell is Miro? And I'm so close to taking the finger of power and doing something. But thankfully soon, all my dreams are about to come true. Had a video with Ten of the Dark Order next. My word, he smashed it. I mean, talk about speaking from the heart. Of course, he has his TNT title opportunity against Darby Allen later on. But he said he was doing this for Brody Lee. That Brody Lee had inspired him ever since they did meet, including, you know, putting on the mask. And you could tell he meant every single word he said. And by the end of it, I went, you know what? Somebody should make 10 the damn TNT champion. So he's getting it up. The Factory with them back on Dynamite. And I cannot tell a lie. I flipping love him. It was QT Marshall and Nick Comorato and Aaron Solo and they were taken on Lee Johnson, Billy Gunn and Dustin Rhodes and of course Anthony Agogo was on the outside. And I know the internet is still debating it, but I love his new like gun hand that he uses to plow into people's stomachs because any move that you can build up week after week after week to the point I'm like, oh my gosh, it's devastating. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my tub-tub. I mean, Billy Gunn even had his ribs taped up to sell the injury because he'd been smacked there last week. And we also saw the brand new Nightmare Family Bus. Make sure you put that one in your head, because that's how all of this is going to end. It was Dustin Rhodes who took the beating earlier on as the factory proved that they're a well-oiled machine because they were cutting off the ring and they were doing consistent tags. But once again, it's wrestling. You can smell the hot tag, and here it was for Lee Johnson. He finished this flurry with a blue thunderbomb onto Solo for a close near two, but he was so pumped up that he was fighting Comorato and he just hit a corkscrew dive from nowhere. Sadly, though, so much was happening, it was too much for the referee. They started spinning around like, ah, I can't keep up with it, which allowed Anthony to go go to sneak in and not only did he wham Billy Gunn again with his super fist but he hit Lee Johnson and it crumbled his ribs to such a degree QT Marshall was just able to pin him and get the three count. Why wouldn't you want to get this move over as strong as possible? It is so damn fun. They all went after Rhodes following this too, including using a cowbell and if QT Marshall had left it there he would have been able to run away but he had to come back which is when he got attacked by the gun club. There was then this huge brawl between the Nightmare family and the factory though, and Cutie was like, well, it's good for me. I'm just going to leg it. And he was going to do something to that big bus when out of the front door, all of a sudden, who returned to AEW Dynamite? That's right, Cody Rhodes. They started to kick each other's ass, including going to the top of the bus where Cody Rhodes applied the figure four onto QT Marshall and QT tapped out. This was good for two reasons. One, they were doing it on top of a bus and everything's better on top of a bus. But also two, last time we saw Cody, he was like, look, I'm not gonna hurt you, Mr. Marshall. You're my friend. But now he's locking in submission moves and he's doing it with glee. So that is just a well put together story and it's easy to follow and it's easy to watch. And then yes, yes, 
Miro is flipping awesome because Kip Sabian was backstage trying to find his former friend. And as soon as Miro saw him, I ain't lying, he pretty much murdered his ass and left him for dead. I mean, he threw him into a garage. I think at one point he was using a chain and then he took Kip's gaming arm, wedged it between two doors and then slam it. The thing definitely broke. The best part though was afterwards because he laid down next to Kip Sabian he hugged him, they start to rock back and forth as Mira just went, I forgive you, I forgive you. So he's an absolute Fruit Loop and he's an absolute loon, but this is the kind of character I've not only wanted to see in AEW, but I want to see the former Rusev had, and it got me so damn excited. Let him murder everybody and I will be cheering him on the entire time. Honestly, you need to go see it. It's only about two minutes, but you will smile up. For the second straight week two, and maybe the third now I think about it, AEW had the confidence in Darby Allen to main event Dynamite. Do you know why these things are so important? Because it just means he's becoming a bigger and bigger star. He was taken on 10 from the Dark Order, who also more than held his own. The TNT title was on the line and is getting it up. We also had a natural built-in storyline here as well, because 10 is vastly bigger than Darby Allen, so Darby had to be smart. That wasn't true at the start, because he tried to out-wrestle 10. But when that failed, he was like, all right, I'll get in your head. And he tried to rip off his mask. Why is the mask so important? Well, we've been told because of Mr. Brody Lee. He also went for a chop block, that's how you take down big dudes in pro wrestling, but this still didn't work because Darby then went for a dive and Ten was like, nah, mate, and he just got out of the way. It was then power time 9,000 as Ten just threw him around the place, but then Darby had a brand new plan, submissions, and a hell of a lot of them. So he kept going for armbar after armbar, which did mean Ten had to slow down, and now he had a bit of a weakness. He also then got really concerned with the Dark Order because Ten and Alan Angels were hanging out on the outside, so Darby Allen just dove on them. And when the rest of the Dark Order came around to see what was going on, Daddy Sting was then here, and he was like, look, no shenanigans, no nonsense, because as we're learning about Sting, everything has to be above board. Because we were all focused on this, however, all of a sudden Ethan Page was out here, and he was attacking Darby Allen, and we even had some extra characterization here. Because Ted had witnessed all this, and he was a bit torn, like, oh, what do I do, what do I not do? But when the rest of Dark Order were like, get him, kill him, take his head off, he hit Darby Allen with this wheelbarrow German suplex thing. It didn't win the match, but that has to become a finishing move yesterday. In a panic, Allen then went back for the mask again, which did work, so he went for the coffin drop, but then Ten caught him in a full Nelson. And that's when Darby Allen went through his brain. He said, wait a minute, I am a sports entertainer. Wait a minute, I remember Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, and he kind of pulled him into the turnbuckle, pushed off of it, and hit a variation of the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, or hit the surprise cradle, and he got the one, two, three, and this is actually working really well for Darby Allen because he's pulling it off every week. So now I actually can go, well, why wouldn't you go back to that? It's clearly doing something good. We are definitely building to something crazy though because before you could say anything, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky were back in the ring and not only were they kicking ass, they also kicked the ass of Sting. It took Lance Archer coming out here to save all of this. So are we gonna do Darby Allen and Lance Archer versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky with Sting in their corner? Or is Sting gonna get involved? I have no clue, but also, man, you've gotta give props to Sting. So many people are like, oh, he's gonna come in and take a spot. My ass, has he? He has just taken all of his star power and handed it over Darby Allen. And I tell you, it's working. Which brings us to the end of AEW Dynamite. And I thought this was a terrific show and it did the one job that it had to do. I can't wait for Blood and Guts in seven days time. And I don't really know how far we're gonna push the envelope 
but I actually think it's going to be pushed quite hard, and it's getting it up. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.